Cheers. Cheers. I'm Kana. I'm Ambi. Welcome to Climacy Games, the podcast. Um, although it's not the only podcast out there anymore, is it? No. No, no. Well, some have come and gone. I must admit, I was actually listening this morning whilst I was making my breakfast to Brotherboard's Diplomacy Dojo. Oh, yeah? I really love listening to his his dojo. There's, um, there's been a couple of times that I've gone, Whoa. I hadn't really thought of things that way, and, and some things I may have even applied in some of my recent games, to be perfectly honest. Oh, well, let's jump into that a bit later. Yep. Um, I, I guess our, our last our last podcast, I was um, channeling my inner Calhammer yep. um, on a game, uh, sort of just dot grabbing, and that's going well. So... Sorry, this was what? Dot, like, Calhammer yeah. was a, you know, like a... The, the, the inventor of the game yeah, was yeah. you know he couldn't resist an open supply centre oh right you've a been dot grabber okay. Yeah. okay so I've been um, I thought you said dog grabber I thought what what dog yeah no yeah. dog dot dot become a you become a dog, dog snatcher <laughs> um, yeah so I'm going I'll, I can't really talk about that because it's um, it's an anonymous game but still if that's going well um, and we interviewed um one of our own countrymen. Yes, but should we talk about our drinks first? Yeah, what are you drinking? So I've got a Little Creatures IPA. It's um, it's very nice, very nice. Good little Creatures, fruity. Good drop. Mm. I've got a, um, a Cooper's Pale Ale, which is quite pale, actually. I think very a pale, of, yes. yes. But it, you know, it's a nice drop. The thing I like this one is it's fruity, but you've also got these slightly aggressive hops. So... Um, yeah, little creatures do a good job. They do. Yeah. Um, and we're drinking right now, um, just over the road from the bar that we're going to go to, probably post-interview. Well, yes, once it actually opens, because they their website said they were open, but then we turned up and they weren't. Yeah. <laughs> and you said, well, they open at five, so there'll be a few places open at five. So we are recording in a place we've been at before, but we won't be here too long. Yeah, but we will be for the rest of it. We'll be recording at Bloops Bar. Yeah, provided actually open. Well, I spoke to the manager. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, good. Okay, cool. So there's fucking pigeons everywhere around here. Well, better that than the ibis. <laughs> Talking about ibises. Is it ibi? Yeah. Ibis. Ibix. Ibix. Anyway. So, um, Mrs. Amby was thinking about getting a caravan. Oh yes. And we went to go look at a couple of caravans and there was this one place that was down at Logan Home. You know where the hyperdome is? Yeah. Okay. So you know if you you kind of there's two exits at Logan Home. There's like one that's I think more to the hyperdome and one that's further on Bryant's Road. I get lost in that part of town. Anyway, so if you don't go to the hyperdome and you just kind of take that first exit and keep turning left and keep turning left, it just kind of arcs in on itself to kind of go a 90 degree angle. Okay. okay. But in that middle area is like the most amount of fucking bin chickens you will have ever seen in your life. Yeah? Yep. So oh, like I instantly went on to Google. Tens? Went, hundreds? No. Thousands. Hundreds if not thousands. Wow. And it's just like in this condensed little spot. Huh. And I kind of thought, oh look, surely I'm not the only person that's ever seen this. The internet must know about it. Right. So I kind of searched for, you know... Bin Chickens or Ibis's Logan Home, and of course it came up. 
And it came up as like a, um, almost like a fake TripAdvisor review oh, yeah. for this place that's called Bin Chicken Paradise. <laughs> and there's, about, there's literally five reviews that people have bothered to write, but they've taken on the persona of the bin chicken around what the place is like to stay at. It's hilarious. I'll, I'll send you the link and I'll put it in the notes. I, I actually don't mind them, to be honest. I don't see them as pests. No, I think I pigeons are more pests than pigeons. Pigeons are more pests. What's, what's kind of annoying for me, because I've been doing a fair amount of work from home, because, you know, everything's changed after COVID, for about half the time. Yep. And we've got, like, a regular bin chicken that keeps visiting our backyard. Oh. But he's actually, like, being a proper ibis rather than a bin chicken, because he goes around and just... Pecks in the ground trying to find worms and things. Oh, that's not too bad. So he's actually going. Yeah. He's gone native. The bin's been bin chicken proofed. Yes, yes. Anyway, um, enough about bin chickens. Yeah, this is about <laughs> diplomacy. Yeah. So our interview, we just we we, we kind of did that one only just last night, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so our interview was with John Dancy, who is a chaplain in the Australian Defence Force. Something very different. We haven't spoken to an army guy before. I think we've spoken to ex-army. Have we? Have we? Who is? Uh, you might be right. Yeah, I think. I don't know. But this is a really interesting interview because his role is around uh, what's called professional military education. Yep. Which instantly makes me think of, you know, war gaming and stuff. But like, you know, like as you mentioned in the interview, like old school things where you have this big massive massive table with you know with those little paddles that you push around armies around you know this yes. you know, Europe and things like that like Napoleon or Churchill or something and the fact that he has started using diplomacy as a teaching tool naturally piqued our interest absolutely so um, how about we jump into it people can have a bit of a listen and then we'll come back sounds good to me see you on the other side John Dancy, welcome to Diplomacy Games. Great to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, um, first up, we'll probably need to make it very, very clear that um, you're, you're obviously you've got a, a role within the Australian Defence Force, but um, our interview today is really much in the context of your personal views. So, first off, it's it's not meant to represent um, you know the the Australian Army or anything like that. Um, but we just wanted to make sure that our listeners understand that. Um, you've obviously um, played diplomacy a little bit in your time. How did you How did you get introduced to the game? Uh, so as a as a child growing up, uh, I did the the normal things for my family, which was going to youth group uh, at our church. And a bunch of the guys, a lot of Christian guys play, and girls play board games. Um, and diplomacy was sort of the next logical step on from risk and access and allies. Th- that makes a lot of sense, and um, again, you're probably you're speaking from your own personal point of view rather than from uh, the point of view of, a, of any particular uh, church or denomination. Interestingly enough, we've previously had on on our show a an American pastor uh, who is also a diplomacy fan, and I always kind of felt it was a little bit weird, not weird. There's a there's a um, a certain tension between the nature of diplomacy sometimes being a little bit. Um, uh, less honest, let's put it that way, 
uh, and, and kind of being able to kind of compare that to a, a more Christian character. So um, it's interesting you mentioned that, that things kind of went that way towards diplomacy. Um, you know, um, with with the game itself, you, you've you've played you've played obviously a little bit of of, of that. Um, what kind of brought you to making a connection between the game diplomacy and your role in the Australian Defence Force? Did you did you want to talk a little bit about that at all? Yeah, sure, I, I, I can totally do that. So, one of the things that uh, chaplains are responsible for doing within the Defence Force is. Uh, helping to provide character training or ethics training to the, the soldiers and officers or the airmen or the sailors uh, of our Defence Force. And it struck me a couple of years ago that the vast majority of presentations that we have or we deliver are simply lectures. And I began looking for different ways that I might be able to um, encourage people to talk or learn character-type lessons aside from sitting in a classroom and then doing role plays. Um, and so, yeah, I remembered that I'd played diplomacy as a young adult and uh, that mechanism of um, no, minimal chance, so no dice, uh, and coupled with uh, thinking strategically and being able to communicate uh, seem to be uh, a winning combination for for talking with soldiers and officers. And, and you you, doc, you documented a little bit of this in um, a, a, a is it I suppose a journal or, or, or a form of document um, from the Australian Defence Force called the Cove, uh, which we'll mm. create some links through to a little bit later. Um, how did you feel the the game was um, perceived? Uh, from that point of view about character training and and building that resilience, if I can call it that, um, within those who you who you, um, you worked with and taught. Yeah, look, I think initially there was some scepticism. Um, how are we going to learn anything from playing a game? Um, but we moved from that, and as we got into the game, and the character, the players, characters, whatever you want to call them, countries became immersed in the game. They started interact, interacting uh, with each other and they began to draw out those kind of deceptions and strategy and figure out what communication skills worked and how they could deceive each other. And the conversations, it, like I'm only at the beginning stages of implementing this properly, but the conversations that we're able to have uh, around character and ethics and decision-making and communication were pretty good. But as I said, I want to, I want to continue to develop this and refine it a bit more uh, and potentially develop some lessons that I can teach or go through with people as well as playing the game. I'm, I'm really interested in um, how the people who first started, like you mentioned just then, that they were a little bit sceptical about, you know, approaching this game and what it can offer them. Um, what was their feedback from their first game after they'd finished? Uh, I think upon reflection, so after they finished the game, what they appreciated 
was the uh, the way it brought them together and the, the lessons they learned about themselves with communication, uh, being able to formulate a plan of attack and then selling that to the other countries. Uh, some of the guys that didn't do so well obviously weren't as enthusiastic about the game as the ones that did really well. Uh, but I think that's natural. That makes sense. Um, the, 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 the people that you're, you're doing this with, John, were they, are, they, are they actually officers or is it, is it more broader within the, um, within the military? No, so I played uh, the two games that I've played, uh, I think about three years apart, were, were just with lieutenants. So our junior officers, these are guys that are about uh, between 21 and maybe 25 or 26 that are usually responsible for about 30 soldiers. Uh, and so, yeah, it seemed like a good good opportunity to, to get them to think strategically and learn, learn how to communicate with each other. Okay, so when it comes when it comes to that, I mean, diplomacy by its very nature is a game of, of learning who to trust and who to deceive. Mm. Um, I would have thought. Sorry, this is. If I kind of just take myself out of the equation. I would have thought that um, within a uh, a military environment where you've got a chain of command and you need to kind of you know, stick together from an Australian point of view, stick together with your mates, so to speak, and support, you know, your, your fellow officers and fellow, you know, units that are around you, um, that that's all around about maintaining that trust. How was how how that um, ability to deceive or to um, anticipate a lack of trust, how are they potentially using that or learning from that within a... An environment when they go away and they've got their platoon, they've got their, their groups that they're responsible for. What what did you kind of hope that they would get out of that when it comes to the application of it in in a, in a real world scenario? Um, well, as I said, I'm still still working this through and still developing my what I what I try to achieve out of it. But I think different people can draw different lessons and so the guys that thought they were quite popular and well liked they got destroyed pretty quickly for them i would hope that they might understand what it's like for the the unpopular or the outsiders within their pl platoons and that they might be able to be a bit more empathetic towards them uh, a bit more uh, looking out for them uh, in terms of the other the other guys i think Military life, particularly for officers, is competitive by nature. Uh, and so you're always fighting for more resources and you're never really sure if you can, can trust, your, trust your mates at one level, if you know what I mean. Like you can trust them with your life, but at the, at the end of the day, everyone's competing for that next promotion or that better job. No, no I think that makes sense. I think that makes sense in... Um a lot of um, corporate or bureaucratic environments. Uh, let's just put it that way. Yeah, the, the military is not unique in that term, in that idea of uh, line managers competing for for a promotion or departments competing for another a higher portion of the budget, and yet they still have to work together to achieve the company's mission. 
Yeah, it's a really good analogy, actually. I can I can relate to that very much in my own uh, real life work experience. Um, you, you mentioned those who did well in the game, um, kind of you know enjoyed it. They walked away getting a lot out of it. Um, as we know, when you play diplomacy, uh, sometimes you win, uh, sometimes you draw, and sometimes you you lose and you lose badly. Mm. Did you get much feedback from those who who you know weren't successful? I mean, you can kind of come from a point of view that they might just go, "Ah, oh, this is a waste of time. Didn't get anything out of this." Blah 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 blah. Did anyone walk away kind of feeling betrayed, feeling powerless? You know, being kind of ignored because I've been there in those games. Um, <laughs> But I've got a little bit tougher skin and I've played diplomacy a little bit more. Um, but if you're coming at it from the first time around, how did they how did they relate to that? Did anyone kind of walk away and realise actually that's a good lesson in itself? Again, this is where I haven't done enough follow up work. Uh, but I would like to think we'll need to get you back on the show in about two or three years, I reckon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. Uh, I would like to think it happened because. I, you know, you can see the guys gradually disengage as uh, as the people stop listening to them, or as they lose territories, uh, or as their armies don't perform, or their fleets don't perform the way they want them to. And so sometimes, because we played two turns a week uh, over a number of weeks, and so you could see them gradually losing interest and. In, putting their effort into elsewhere, like actual work or uh, into to other relationships. Uh, and so, yeah, I think it would be interesting to explore to see if there are any commonalities between people giving up in a game like this and people's tendency or whether or not they're more likely to give up when the going gets tough in real life. I, yeah, I don't know yet. It would be interesting to compare game length as well, like doing it over a weekend versus a couple of phases a week or mm. you know, a couple of phases. That would be interesting to see the outcomes from that. Um, I, I actually come at this as slightly different to Ambi. I think um, when I think of the game of diplomacy and in the context that you're sort of working in, but there's, there's an awful lot of opportunity for soft skills around leadership um, when I think about it. Mm. Uh, like leadership really is about, you know, um, I mean, there's plenty of different words for it, but in the end it's about ultimately about getting people to do what you want them to do, um, whether they like it or not. Um, mm. Obviously it's better if they do like it. And and there's a, there's, there's a lovely similarity there in those diplomatic conversations if you have have an ally maybe working along doing what you want them to do but they're happy to do it is a lot more advantageous i suppose than um you know an enemy um Mm. i'm just wondering if that that leadership angle has has a lot of merit to it i think yeah i i think the leadership angle does in the second game that i played so the one we played last year, I actually had a captain uh, who's one rank above and six lieutenants. And it was interesting. The captain was a very strong personality, uh, a little bit more senior, 
and was well liked and looked up to by some of the lieutenants. And so they gravitated towards him and he became a real power player really early on uh, and was able to manipulate some of the lieutenants and turn them against each other. <laughs> so I think, um, yeah, I think you can draw leadership lessons out of the communication side of it as well, yeah. Mm. When it came to um, those particular games, John, the um, did, did you kind of do like almost like a, a, a 360 review thing at the end, which is like a – or actually more like a debrief around what did you guys get out of this? Um, and, and how could you apply this? And, and more from the point of view, how can it? How could you, as someone who actually coordinate this, you know, do it um, again or in a in a better format? Uh, the first time we played, I got to do individual debriefs with the guys that played. Um, this last time, I didn't get to because we basically got too busy with COVID and everything else. Uh, but, yeah, certainly I, my intent is to play it again this year and I would like to uh, try and capture some of those lessons in a, a formal review or debrief or after-action review at the end of, of the session because I think there's some real value in doing it that way. I think so, particularly if you are looking at this as being some form of um, semi-structured learning um, to kind of help when it comes to that character development and looking at how do you develop both that uh, strategic skills and also those communication skills. Mm. Mm, um, yeah, and I think also the um, the character side of it I want to I like about diplomacy is the the knowing. Or trying to figure out when you can, when you trust, and when is the right time to to turn uh, turn on your mate or stab your mate in the back, as I like to say. Um, and I think I mentioned it in the article. The first game we played, one of the one of the guys was adamant that he would try and play the whole game uh, without deception and just being honest. How far did he get? <laughs> Well, he got he got fairly far. Uh, he was he was Russia, and he formed a great alliance with Turkey right from the start. And uh, Germany didn't quite know what he was doing well, so um, I think Russia was helped a lot by those other factors. But he actually did quite well um, and stuck to his guns and stayed uh, stayed honest the whole time. It's funny that you mentioned that, John. We, we we have spoken to a number of players who have a very strong moral compass. You know, I talked about that a little bit mm -hmm. earlier at the start, where they um, make sure that they don't lie. Legitimately, they yeah. don't lie, but they deliberately use a set of words or a certain way of communicating to which is quite. Um, Ambiguous. Sorry, I'm going, to, I'm going to mispronounce the word. Ambiguous. Ambiguous. Mm -hmm. anyway. um, <laughs> whoops. Anyway, so um, you know what I'm talking about. That's the main thing. But in doing so, 
they allow the other player to put two and two together and, and get 12 um, mm. and, and for them to make their own conclusions so that based on that they actually maintain both a, a, a moral compass and B, they can walk away and say, well, I didn't lie to anybody, I didn't lie to you, you just came to that conclusion yourself. So uh, mm. it's interesting that 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 um, you, know, you had a player doing that. Um, with COVID and, and everything along those lines, obviously that, that got in the way of, of your second game that you were organising. Mm. Um, just as a, as a matter of interest, were these were these face to face games, or were you doing it online? How, what was the the format of how it was organised? So, um, because we're all uh, we're all working, I guess the way the way I set it up was so Monday morning uh, we would reveal the the moves from the uh, fall turn, and then remove any armies and build any new armies and fleets. And then from there they were allowed to go away and they could communicate with each other in any way they chose until Wednesday morning. And at Wednesday morning they had to have their moves submitted to me, uh, again, via any means they wanted, paper, email, SMS, um, yeah, any, any way they chose. Um and then at lunchtime, we'd gather together and reveal the spring turn moves. And then from there, they would have until Friday lunchtime to submit their moves. And then they had the weekend off. So that's kind of how we played two turns a week. And, uh, and I left it up to them to decide how they would negotiate. Uh, and so there were creative strategies like being seen to be going to the coffee shop with each other. Um, or uh, phone calls on speakerphone where they were assured that that was the only there was only one other person in the room, but there wasn't. So yeah, they were they got quite into trying to to see like deception, use deception and deception plans to to get their way. That's really funny. Um, <laughs> um. Actually, I, I was thinking based on all that and the approach that you adopted, did you get any feedback from your higher-ups around the concepts that you were trying to get across and the and the way you were doing that through a board game? Um, I didn't get much. Yeah, I, I don't want to. I don't want to sound sound rude about no, you don't have to be yeah sorry no i don't want to put you in an awkward position so that's fine um yeah i i don't think they were skeptical but at the same time i don't think they were board game people so they're not not overly interested in in how it might work no that's cool i'm, I'm really fascinated um when, when i think about the army um there's a couple of images that pop into mind there's the modern oh. army and then there's like the historical tradition of um, generals pushing armies around on a, you know, like like a grand board game. I said like Napoleon, the mm. Battle of Waterloo. You know, people moving miniatures around. Um, and then I think sort of back like there's other there's games that are played like AC Doocy and um, you know the backgammon and mm. I mean, I'm just I'm just kind of um, yeah it, I, I guess I guess different areas have their own. Their own 
culture. Is, is, that, is that true? Yeah, so wargaming has a huge um, tradition within the military. I'm not completely across it, but I know uh, at least the last couple of hundred years in Europe, they've had various forms of it and they've had other forms of it in other parts of the world. So I think the use of gaming to or tactics or test concepts is there within the military, but I don't think anyone had made the leap to say, hey, we could also use this to teach character. Yeah, the soft skills, the, uh, the, the, the bit that's integral to the officer, the bit that, um, as you were saying, you know, that, that allows them to keep going or to interact and to deal yeah. with this movement. I think they're all incredible skills to have as a, well, the skills that I'd be looking for in a leader for myself, someone I'd be looking to, to follow. Yeah, sure. Yep. John, when you, when you um, published your paper in The Cove, um, did you get any, any response at all from anybody else in the, uh, the military fraternity who may have also um, you know, had an affinity either with the game or, or with the, the concepts that you were trying to get across? Uh, there, were, there were a few people that had commented on the, the Facebook link to it uh, who'd clearly played Diplomacy before. Uh, there was uh, a couple of chaplains that I'd showed the shown the paper to in draft form to say, you know, just check my work before I publish it. And they were keen, like me, they're keen to explore different and more interesting ways of teaching the soft skills, the character development, the ethics, uh, than simply sitting in a classroom doing role plays and and PowerPoint theory lessons. Um, and then I was invited to present at a uh, at Connections, which is a wargaming conference which happened in December of last year. I didn't take them up on that offer, but I attended the conference. Uh, and who knows, maybe in the future I'll be in a position where I feel competent and experienced enough to present something there. But, um, yeah, there, there was some interaction and engagement, which was good. And then you guys? Yeah, yeah but don't worry about us. We're just podcasters. No one listens to us. <laughs> um, what do you kind of hope comes out of, out of having the, the, uh, the paper published, um, you know, beyond writing it and having it published? Are you... What are you trying to get out of that uh, when it comes to raising awareness of the game's benefits to um, you know, professional military education? I think, as, I, as I've said a couple of times now, I think I want us to figure out more engaging ways of working with our people to teach them the skill, those kind of skills uh, outside of just theory lessons. And so, yeah, I guess uh, raising the profile of it, I mean, wargaming from a tactics and strategy point of view is, is seeing a resurgence in the military at the moment, in the Australian military at least. Um, they're doing a lot of work with the ADF Wargaming Association um, and they run an annual competition or a tournament sort of thing in... Um, 
different using different platforms like uh, Bolt Action and uh, Flames of War. I think maybe Warhammer, but uh, but they focus obviously on the, the tactical side of it and the decision making, whereas. I'm hoping to create an awareness that we can use it for these other types of things as well. So two years down the line, um, John, mm. what do you imagine things to be? I beg your pardon? So in, in two years' time or in a year's time, um, where what's happening with the game of diplomacy? In an ideal world, this is where oh. things are going no covid and it's um we've got that under control at least uh in an ideal world i think i'd like to to get a few more uh senior officers and a few more commanders interested in the idea and willing to spend the spend the time to be able to get their junior officers to play i'd like to see it played at a, a higher level, but everyone shrugs it off and say that, says they're too busy. Um, I know about a decade ago they did play a game of it in one of the higher headquarters. I'm not sure how it went or for how long it went, but uh, I heard it was quite an entertaining game. Mm, I imagine. Um, but, yeah, I guess that, that's, that's what I'd like. You know, in a couple of years... I'd like to see more people engaging with it and and I'd like to have more lessons figured out and a, a better way of debriefing it and uh, and using it as the sort of tool that I see it as. It's definitely got a lot of potential, hasn't it? Mm. Mm. So, so, John, the... Um the players that you had involved in the games that you ran, do you know if they've maintained a interest in the game at all? Like within the online environment or anything like that at all? Uh, I, I don't think so. Uh, but I, that being said, I haven't, haven't really followed up. The ones that are still posted to the unit where I am now are keen to play again this year. And there are guys who missed out last year who've expressed an interest in playing again this year. Um, so normally you need like seven players. How many? How many? Um, how many officers are you working with at a time? Seven. Oh, she's that works in very very well, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, so no, no. So sorry. I mean, um, within a battalion, we've got way more than that. But I, I would grab seven officers from across the across the battalion and randomly give them each a company, sorry, a country, and, yep, yep. Uh, and we'd go like that. It's funny also earlier on you talked about that, um, you know, uh, game that was played 10 years ago amongst the more higher-up brass. Um, there's often rumours, let's put it that way, of, um, you know, games being played, say, within the uh, um, uh, Australian Department of Foreign Affairs. Um, okay. I'm pretty sure the same type of thing within the U.S. Department of sorry U.S. Uh, Department of State. Um, ha have you kind of heard anything like that within the context of you know any of our any of our um, global allies from an Australian point of view who who do something similar using the game or using similar games to help um, 
build that um, understanding and strategy and communication skills? No, no. Like, I, I'm a bit of a you're, you're a bit of a lone area. ranger. Well, I don't know if I'm a lone ranger. I just haven't haven't looked that far into it. No, that's cool. Uh, I think Kana mentioned before around you know future plans with things getting a little bit better. I mean, as you know, being being in Australia and uh, being particularly in Queensland, um, things aren't going too badly COVID-wise. Touch wood. So um, hopefully, it won't be too long until you can do something like this in twenty twenty one really really soon and and build up a little bit more of a. Um, um, an evidence base, if I can call it that, to, to mm. take it a little bit further and, and to, um, you know, extend your um, learnings from the experience and the learnings from the players and how they've been able to use that. Like, it'd be really interesting to see those players who've played the game, learnt the lessons, done well, to what extent they've been able to apply that, whether it's, you know, in... Um, uh, peacekeeping you know, forces that we're obviously involved in or whether it's in military exercises as we do with our, our allies and things like that. Um, I'd be really interested to see what the um, – to what extent they take it away and apply that or whether they're, they're people like you talked about with that captain, they, they're natural leaders, they're natural communicators and they're probably going to do well whether they're playing a game of diplomacy or not. Mm. Um, Kane or I haven't got too many more questions. I'm pretty much pretty much out. How about yourself? Yeah, no, I was, I was just following on from that. To hear from John in a in a year's time, and then two years time, just to sort of get like a longitudinal view on how things are going in this space, because I think it's really exciting, um, especially hearing about like it's, it's just at the beginning stage, so. Definitely interested in hearing more, John. It's um, it's it's a really exciting space you put yourself in, from my perspective. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see where I can take it. Uh, the, I suppose the, there's positives and negatives of playing the game the way that we are playing it at the moment. The positive is it's a low impact on a working week, but the negative is it draws out for so long that. Uh, the guys can either lose interest or uh, it can just become unwieldy. And when you throw in all the other commitments of work, they forget about it. Uh, I don't know if uh, condensing the time frame would make it easier or harder. Um, but, yeah, maybe that's the next step. Try try condensing the time frame. Play a turn a day, maybe. Or, or having a, um, like a set end date. On it, so it goes to nineteen oh five. So well, yeah. So that's what that's what we did. We played. We agreed to play for six weeks or eight weeks. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely, definitely, very interested to um, hear how it how it pans out. Um, when I was a when I was a younger man, um, or child actually, my father um, told me stories of playing the game uh, diplomacy. It must have been in the 60s in the Navy. And um, one of the things I was always fascinated, it, it just struck with me a story how he, um, in, in much the same way as you are describing how they set it up, they played um, one 
season at the start of the week and another season towards the end of the week and they're stuck on a boat so there's no way really for them to go um, mm. and this is obviously before the era of electronics and um, the story goes like he would notice press that people were putting up um, on notice boards around the ship communicating with people um, I, was, I was just wondering did you have did you notice any um, like hard copy press because I feel that's something that is is Probably disappeared a little bit. It's in, kind of like yeah. dead letter drops, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, in a notice board. Yeah, like yeah no, our, our guys didn't do that. But um, as I said, they, they organised meetings at coffee shops and, so, and left at times when they knew other people could see them leaving together. Or uh, they made phone calls from offices where they assured everyone that it was only them in the office when it wasn't. Yeah. Um, no, and no. Then there were other there were other times where where people would be hiding outside the window of my office trying to listen in. So there was definitely nefarious espionage going on. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, yeah. No. I mean that that's all that, that's all for me. I, um, yeah. No. Thank you very much for speaking with us, John. Yes. No worries. Yes. It was a pleasure. Thanks very much, mate. Um, it's been great. See ya. Bye. Then we're back. Cheers. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, actually, something that was mentioned off tape at the at, just as we wrap, after we wrapped as up, we wrapped up yeah. um, was you know, one of the reasons that attracted him to the game was the lack of randomness like the, the chance element the dice yes. um, was removed so that a lot of the things that he's looking for to achieve um, really comes to the fore more um, than the luck of a dice roll yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah no I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that interview um, I would love to get him back on the show maybe a year or two down the track and see how, how it's going yep no, that, that, I totally agree. I mean, I think there's a lot of potential there. I, I think, as I mentioned to you just before we started recording, it, it's almost like a, you know, like a, um, like, well, like a skunk works. Now he's kind of just doing these little things in the background, and occasionally, you know, management looks at him like, oh, "What are you doing there?" It's okay, it's okay. It's it's all around professional military education. Nothing to see here. <laughs> kind of making on, people on. think, strategy, communications, you know, blah 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 blah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, I'd like to see this go a, a little bit further. So look, we'll, we'll, we'll put links in the show notes through to the um, the article that, that John wrote that was in the Cove. The Cove is like a um, uh, an online journal within the Australian Defence Force. Yeah. So um, and um, the thing that I was uh, probably because it is still quite early on in what he's planning to do. He's obviously got more of that experience at the local level, but I'd love to know if this type of thing happens in other parts of the Australian Defence Force, whether it's Army, Navy, you know, uh, Air Force, or even international. Like if there's internationally, I mean, I I can't believe that somewhere like West Point in America, with you know officer training and things like that, this type of shit doesn't go down. If they are, they're missing an opportunity. Put it that way. Yep, absolutely. Um, oh, and I agree with you. I mean, it, it, 
it's got to happen. Surely, it's, it's, it's a game that's just perfectly suited for. It's it's, 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 it's begging for it, isn't it? Lieutenants and captains. And it is. It is. Yeah. I mean, put it in the office. Honestly, in the officers' mess, there's got to be like you know, or the officers, whatever. There's got to be like a board that's set up there, and it be you know, after everyone kind of had a hard day out, you know, doing whatever you know you do with your training, coming back in, having a couple of shandies, shandies in the <laughs> officers' mess, of course, or ports. Yes, you know, <laughs> cutting up your, your fresh, you know, I fill it, and, um, <laughs> and then you know. Taking the, the, the steak knife and then, you know, taking out Italy at the same time. <laughs> As you kind of process your four moves. So much potential, so much potential. I think I've said the same thing, I reckon, in in places, and we've, we've heard it from, um, fuck, who was it, in camp, when we were in Melbourne. One of the guys from Canberra. Uh, Jamal. Jamal, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jamal is always in your face. Um, um, he's talked about that just with an off tape around, you know, this happens in like the uh, defense, the, the, the Australia's Department of Defense, no, sorry, not Defense, Foreign Affairs. Uh, oh, now that would be a natural place for it to sit oh, as well, yeah. any sort of foreign department. Like State Department, yeah. things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. Um, the thing I really, that impresses me about Jamal um, when I've played against him, and he hasn't had the best winning streak when I've been in the games that I've played with him um, but his tenaciousness yep. and, and just keep on trying you know he's down to one unit and he's still in your face come on let's just like Tim <laughs> <laughs> yeah just like Tim <laughs> yeah um, but that is definitely a, a trait that would really be beneficial in um, in someone leading other people yep. you know to not give up and fight to the last and to keep going, like it's even though you've only got one unit, it's the most important unit on the board. And by God, he's going to tell you why. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um, so look, yeah, as we said, I, I'm interested to see how, where where John takes this. I think yes, I think it'd be worthwhile touching base in you know a year or two down the track. Yep. Um, and I think it's great to see it being used as a um, as a as a teaching tool, you know what I mean? Well, we've, we've come across it being used as a teaching tool um, in schools where they use it for um, like international relations, yeah, yeah. diplomatic teaching um, at universities and high schools, um, colleges. Um, so I heard about it as a teaching tool in that space. I know Playdip sort of really well set up as an online um, vehicle for play groups yeah, from schools, yeah. you know, they've got a specific avenue for that to happen. Um, and I know WebDip has a has a way that they allow that sort of thing to happen as well, but I think PlayDip's... I've even seen on VDip, it was a couple of years ago, locally here in Brisbane, obviously some teacher at, you know, Churchill? Yeah. Yeah. Some, some teacher from there must have been doing something, because there was for a while there about 20 Churchy boys... They're dropping in on the forums. Who are playing uh, games against each other, you know what I mean? Yeah, there must have been something going on. Um, but we, about, yeah. we, we, I'm currently... I, I had a guy lined up who was also using diplomacy as a teaching tool, but in a university environment. Um, he was like, yeah, 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 yeah. He was all dead keen. And have we been able to kind of work things out at the right time? 
you know what I mean? So um, we'll sort that out, but that would be like a part two around using diplomacy as a pedagogical, what do you call it, pedagogical thing? Yeah, pedagogical. Yeah, 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 yeah. there you go. I sound like I know what I'm talking about there. I think one stage during that interview, though, I kind of screwed up all work big time. I, yeah, I'd had a couple um, of wines beforehand. Say ambiguous for me, Em. Ambiguous. See, I'm fine now because I need to start drinking. Ah, so. Well, let's finish this and head on over to Blutes. Sounds good. See you over at Blutes. Yeah, cheers. Cheers. environment and different beer and you're on wine. Yes, often it's a bit of a tr- problem when you walk into a place and you ask for the wine menu and they say we've got Shiraz and blah 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 and blah blah blah. And it's like of those, the only one I'd have would be Shiraz. So um, Is it okay? it's an Angove uh, organic Shiraz. It's okay. Nothing to write home about. Nothing to write home about. <laughs> it's like, you know, a standard one supply centre opening when I should have got the least two. <laughs> How well, about you? I've got I've, made, I've made a good choice, actually. I've gone with the Young Henry's. Um, crisper. Tastier. It's like comparing a... Um, Comparing your last crap game to a good opening in the in a new game, oh, so that's that's yeah. good. Yeah, I've gone downhill. You've gone uphill. You've upgraded. <laughs> um, I must admit, I'll, I'm I'm finding because we're in summer, although it's got to be the coolest summer in living memory. For a while. Yeah. I, I can't I can't remember a, a summer this. It, it's it's actually never stinking hot. It's very rarely stinking hot. Yeah, we haven't had like well, we've had maybe two separate weeks of you know just melting weather yeah that's about it it wasn't much but yeah not much which has yeah, just yeah. been lovely but because of I mean I don't know maybe because it's summer anyway I've been having a little bit more beer than I should have oh yeah and as we were talking about before with you know medical ailments I, I'm not my, not my my ailment isn't an ailment it's like human nature and that's the fact that metabolism starts slowing down considerably <laughs> once you get a little bit older and all of a sudden, all these, you know, sneaky beer here, sneaky beer there. It's catching up with you. It's catching up, but it's not fucking leaving, you know. <laughs> it's stuck on you. Stuck on me. <laughs> the pants keep getting a little bit tighter, Kane. Okay? A small problem. Large problem, actually. Well, it's only a problem until you get a large belt. It's not the belt that's a problem. It's the fucking <laughs> pants don't come out. The new wardrobe. Actually... Poppycon, are you going to go to it, Amber? Well, it kind of depends. So, like, Melbourne just had a, like, a danger, danger lockdown quick one. Yeah. Because I think they've now come out of because they had no community transmission, which is great. Seems to be, it seems to be like, whenever this type of stuff happens, everyone goes, right, fucking, just lock it all down really quickly. For three, four, five days. Yep. And then if nothing goes crazy, then it starts slowly opening back up again. The trouble we've got, because PoppyCon is last week of March? 28th, I think. Yep. Last weekend of March, yep. Um, I think the difficulty is, when do we make the call if we're going to go? Yeah, exactly. Because the longer you wait, the airfare prices are keep going to go up. Yeah. But you're always still, at the moment, managing the risk of 
lockdowns, you know what I mean? Yeah. Whether down there or up here. Yeah. And I don't particularly want to be um, stuck for five days down there and all. You know, oh, come back and stuck two weeks for 14 days in, back up here, so, yeah. I'm coming and arguing about it myself. I was about, when it came out, I was like, yes, the world's first face-to-face tournament, and yeah. one we've been yeah. to, and it was a great time. Yes. Um, so it's not like, you know, it's going, we know it's going to be ordinary, it's going to be great. It's going to be, yeah, yeah. And from that point of view, and now I'm talking about it, like I'm getting all excited again. It's like, yeah, I wonder if you want to make happen. But, but because, you know, we, we are slow, in Australia we're only just, I think is it next week or two, right? the, some people are starting to get the, the, the vaccination. The vaccines, yeah. But um, it's going to be a while. I mean, I probably won't get it till what, I think when I'm, when I'm due, probably like, you know, middle, middle of the year. So I, I went onto the... Um, the app to see where I was in the queue. Because yeah, I would have thought maybe yeah. you might be a little bit higher up the list for some reason. No, no, you know. somewhere in September. No. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, so you but, might, you know, that, that, you know, like, but then, you know, there's they have to make this broad those those app like the, the, that user app to sort of catered to everyone and there may be other categories that are yep 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 but like, like you I'm down the line not the first round anyway no 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 anyway so what do you reckon just on, watch this space watch this space yeah just play by ear we might just have to shell out a little bit more money as we get closer that's the only problem it wasn't so long ago it was 50 dollar blocks well, the other option is, and I know this because I checked the other day. Actually, it was when when Poppycon came out. I checked the Qantas website, and they've got this thing at the moment. Like, if if you you get locked down or your location gets locked down or restrictions and shit like that, yep. they'll have like a, a blanket free um, one carried over to another time. Okay. So it's kind of like having like a flexible fare, like normally you'd have that, but you have to pay a shitload more money. Right. But with flexible fare, so you can just fucking move it around whenever you want. This just gives you like a one-off time to reschedule it. What Which isn't bad. Yeah, 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 but what happens if you get locked down again? I think, no, it's, it's more the issue. Say, for example, if we buy the tickets for, say, end of March. Yep. And it gets, we get locked down, they get locked down, someone gets locked down. And then we go, okay, fine, no problems. Public one still happens. You and I are then stuck with a ticket. Oh, Move it to the Melbourne Open, I suppose. Well, potentially, yeah. but you know, or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I don't know how long they last for. But, I mean, fuck. We can always say, hey, we've got free tickets. Who wants to put on a game down there? <laughs> put on a Melbourne Open for us. Yeah. Something to think about anyway. But no, we'll have to we'll have to make a decision, I think, on that one sometime soon. Um, well, it is creeping up in the march. It is. The advantage we've got is, yeah, you know, we've we 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 know that we know the hosts. Um, they've already kind of said yes, we can kind of crash there again. This is great. Yep. Um, as I said, we had a great time there last time, and I think Goffy's. If if we came down early, he's keen for us to go to an MCG game. Oh, God, you're doing. You go to one. Oh, you wouldn't? No. Why? Oh, 
not really a big fan of AFL. But you're fucking from down south. I know, it's almost blasphemy. It is. You can't <laughs> go around saying castle and not follow AFL football. <laughs> and France? Yeah. It's like not being remotely interested in the Melbourne Open. No, Australian Open. Yeah, in Melbourne. No, it's called the Australian Open. Melbourne Open is a diplomacy game tournament. Australian Open is a tennis tournament. That's what I'm saying. Okay. A tennis tournament. Yes, okay, good. Um, oh, well, maybe, so sounds like if we're going to go down, we're not going to go down to the MCG. Stopping you going down a day early. It's like aerial, aerial ping pong in a you know, game of football. I don't even fucking follow, you know, rugby league, and I'm from Queensland. So oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> Heavens forbid! I think the last state of origin just went to bed early. Um, <laughs> anyway, so other face-to-face stuff. So. Um, we keep trying to get a game going here in Brisbane. Yeah. I put an email around, and I've had three people very, really quickly come back with dates that all coalesced. Oh, good. So um, if you and I then go, yep, 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 that's all good, all we have to do is just drag two other people along. Okay. So Sunday the 7th of March. 7th March? Is that the day? Well, yeah, that's the day that seems to work out for everybody. Okay. So that's the five of us. So now we just need to kind of... I can chase up a few other people. You might be able to chase up a couple of other people, maybe one person, I don't know. Yep. The others are probably still... I can see. Yep. And I thought maybe I actually do that um, uh, thing that the guys have done in, in Chicago, in Minnesota, and actually put it up on Meetup or do something like that to get a bit of interest good idea yep. so even if we get an extra an extra player one of us can sit yeah I'll find it back and then we can go around do some little videos put it up on DBN <laughs> you might have to wear a suit Kana oh. yeah do you own one yeah I know a couple yeah I'm not a fan of ties though I don't Oh, that's so much. Sounds good. Sounds like a plan. What's that? Not this weekend, next week. No, weekend no, no, no. It's, it's about... It's a little while off. One, two, three. Oh, yeah. So it's two weeks away. Okay. Two and a half weeks. Whereabouts are we doing it? Oh, no. I thought Netherworld. Unless you want to... Because kind of, um, Fault Games has moved to my centre. Is it okay? But Netherworld seemed to be good just to try for once, I thought. BYO game board, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they're BYO game boards, aren't they? Well, when we went went there last, yes, I don't know if they're kind of a little bit more chill now, I don't know. COVID rules and shit. Well, obviously, we'll have to bring our own board anyway. Unless they got it, I don't know. I'm happy to bring our own board. Yeah, yeah. But you've already got your own, just lay it all out. Place them at. Yeah. But I do like your metal figurines. I can bring them, but the problem is, then you can't do your little thing that you do your layering on supports and dislodges and. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'll bring my board. That's fine, we'll do that. Netherworld. What time are we going to start? Well, they don't open until 12. So I thought we'd have this 12 12 start. Yeah. 
maybe a you know 12 thing for anyone who's fucking forgotten how to play the game. Kick off at 12:30, go to about I don't know 5, 5:30, wrap it up. Sounds good. So 12 o'clock if you're new to the game, 12:30 if you're if you're an old star. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Good. Sweet. So that would be good if we can get that off the ground. I know. I won't be as audacious to say it's the first face-to-face game in the world. Face to face for us for a while, though. Be good. Very good. Hey, speaking of face to face and you know meeting up with people, yep. there's the um, virtual world diplomacy league who have been setting up maps. Yeah, I think oh, Bill Hackenbrack's putting it all together and a few other people. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I put I put my uh, I put my marker down. Mm-hmm. So I and I created links through to, you know, a little Brisbane group if anyone was, you know, interested. Interested. I said that you beat me to it. <laughs> Sorry. You're excited. <laughs> I was a little bit excited. Well, I think the goal of it all was to um, create a, like a well, a map of where people are so you can actually hook up and actually make face to face games. Once all this crazy shit kind of dies down in different places in the world. Uh, Sooner rather than later, I reckon, I hope. Actually, that, that reminds me, when it talks about, obviously in the meantime, whilst we've still got this virtual world going and everything like that, yep. um, I don't think there's been any virtual tournaments for a little while, has it? Not since, you know, you and I last played in the VWDC. Uh, DBN covered one recently. Oh, was it Cascadia? Was that the one they covered? Yeah, it must have been. Yeah, so Cascadia's happened. Okay, sorry about that, I fucked that one up. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of... This one's so crazy busy at the moment. Like, next... Yeah. I think it should be calming down a little bit more if there's something coming up. Yeah. Well, don't forget that... Um, and this is news to our, our normal podcast um, listeners, that... Um, we mentioned last Patreon episode that we were planning to do a virtual game for our Patreon supporters to play against us. Oh yeah. So any, any, um, any strikes? Any? Oh, we'll talk a bit. We'll talk a little talk bit more in detail about that during the Patreon episode. Okay. But um, so yeah, look, if that, that's if if, you, if you're um, interested in that, couple of bucks. Then you're but, Patreon below. Patreon.com/slash/diplomacygames and. Um, yeah, we'd be interested to get a few of those players together, and um, you know, you might get a chance if you're listening to this to stab Kamer or stab me or go all the way to the end in a <laughs> glorious a two-way draw. <laughs> Sounds like fun. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, we will have to hold that over to the, to the uh, Patreon. Yep. Uh, around the grounds, Andy. Right. So a few things. The um, the winning game is now over. Who won? It was a draw. Who drew? Were you in it? Yeah, I was in it. Oh, bravo. Gopher? I can't remember now. Gopher was definitely in it. And that was the reason I was surprised it drew, because honestly, I really expected Gopher to solo. I have no idea why he didn't go for the win. How far off was it? So remind me again, you were playing England. Go for... Uh, winning is for losers is the game. Yes, I was England. I got down to two supply centres. Um, 
So Gopher was playing as France. He got 14 at drawing. Russia, who was Maka. She's interested in coming on to the face-to-face game, by the way. Brilliant. Um, Russia, who was Maka, got 10. Uh, Mr. Finkelmeyer, or Mick, Mick, yeah, that's it, Mr. F. Turkey at 8. And I finished on 2. So was that a uh, was that a pity draw? I think it was. Oh, we'll just keep him in because, you know, he's a nice guy. Well, I think Gopher said something like that. Like, he felt bad totally killing me off. Oh, <laughs> really? Which is really odd. Because... Well, I don't feel bad about killing you on a board, Ambie. Oh, I really feel... I mean, okay, this was an unranked game, so it didn't really matter. Yeah. But it was a missed opportunity. I think he could have won. Well, he ended up on 14, so where would he gotten the other eight? Well, he could have turned me into a janissary or something like that and got me to help him out. Yeah. Well, there's two. Let's say he gets both of your supply centres. I don't know. Could he have broken... Yeah, I suppose he could have broken Well, Russia. no, because all my... I mean, I don't have a supply... Actually, I do have Edinburgh. Sorry, I'll tell a lot. And then Denmark. Do you think it was the fact that there was a Turkish fleet slipped into North Africa that did it? Ooh! Yes, actually, yeah, and then coming across to Tunis. Yeah, you're right. I'd be good as always moved English Channel back down here, back to MAO. Yeah, but he's definitely going to pick up Western Med, isn't he? Yeah, yeah good point. So this was, um, I think as we mentioned before, this was like, there was, there was like the game and then there was the meta game. Yeah. Which was, you had to try to be the third to last post of the players who were in the still thread. playing in the winning thread yeah. which gave you the ability to provide a, a bonus order yeah. which would go through to the game master and they would give it to another player to do so in other words you might be France or sorry, I might be England and I might actually order France to move totally away from me or to attack somebody else And that was, did, that was a people, really fun dynamic. I enjoyed yeah. that. Yeah. Did the people have to come clean at the end of the game as to with what they did when? Or was that like I, I did. I, yeah. I, I did. Um, sorry, I, I at least came clean to the ones on Gopher of where I actually <laughs> sent him the wrong direction. <laughs> did he suspect? I think he did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Did anyone come clean to you? Oh, look, as part of the end of the game, a lot of people talked about their different their different moves. So yep. um, I can't remember the final the final details of who said what. But the thing that was interesting was once this game finished, all activity in the wing thread almost ceased. <laughs> it wasn't like for about three weeks that someone started posting again in the thread. <laughs> it's exhausted. I was exhausted. <laughs> it's gone back to being the, the thread that's just normally being to try to wait for Ole to close off the forum, which is never going to happen because Ole doesn't turn up to anything anymore. <laughs> Busy with real life elsewhere. Yep. <laughs> which is, I, I like I like the retro version of the, the forum. I think it does be diplomacy fine, to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah. Yep. I don't think we've got the um, the numbers really to warrant a uh, you know completely surgical forum. That yeah. anyway, so um, that game's now over and done with. I'm in not too many other games. My declaration of war game. You still in that? No, no, it's finished now. Okay. And I've got I've got eliminated. I was the last player to get eliminated. Um, 
so this was played on the American Empire format. I was British Columbia. Um, it got drawn between Mexico, Quebec, and Cuba. So the players there were Swede Zero Three, uh, CYFI or Sci-Fi, and uh, Macy Champ. Okay. And um, this was a great. This was a good game. I enjoyed it, but other players had different views on this after the event. Right. I was back around here. Yeah, I remember. Um, where some people said, look, after playing the game, not really interested in the concept of declaration of war. Okay. Other players, including myself, were like, like the idea, but I prefer public declarations of war. Because this is kind of, you had to kind of lodge your status with other players to the GM. Uh. And the GM would do adjudication based on your relationship with another player to work out if you're at war, at peace, allied, blah, 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 blah. Hostile, okay. things like that. So It got a bit confusing, and then um, I think Player 5, who was the GM, had a lot of, maybe a lot of stuff going on in real life because he kind of missed doing updates. Uh, so you started losing control. Like, I sent through an update saying, oh, okay, I want to declare war on Mexico. So I sent it through. I waited the obligatory amount of time, then started attacking Mexico. Okay. But Mexico said, what the fuck had happened? What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? I didn't get uh, any message. Uh, but I'd sent it, but it hadn't been kind of done. Yeah. So, and um, then you had that spot where you had a player take over a country who wasn't aware. That, yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Someone took over Florida and, and did it. was just playing the game like a normal game. They didn't realise yeah, that special it, yeah. rules. So um, I think, I think it was, as I said, I reckon it would work better if you had people who understood what's going on and was, uh, I'm sorry, were uh, probably more in a public view. So you didn't have to worry about a GM. Yeah, you just put it in the public press. He said, um, you it's know, a gentleman's agreement yeah, that what um, goes I'm, I'm declaring war on Quebec. You know, um, I'll see you in a year's time, or, or six months' time, I'll start attacking you. Yeah. Which is the way, you know, you meant to give advance notice that you're going to attack. It's sufficient time for them to counter you. And everyone just agrees that, yeah, that's the way they do it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that one's over. I must admit, I've mean, I realised I'm in a lot of um, unranked games at the moment. Probably not a bad thing for me. Preserving your rank and still getting your diplomacy fixed? Exactly. Um, my anonymous pointy, pointy, stabby, stabby game, which is Imperial Diplomacy 2, um, I'm still alive. Oh, you're... Oh, just. Just. But I've been alive for ages because... I don't know what the fuck is happening, but, like, my my neighbours around me can't seem to kind of... Because it's gunboat, like, yeah. they, they don't seem to communicate or pay attention to each other's orders to work out how to fucking kill me. Uh. So they're both trying to attack me and kill me, but they don't. neither of them have the numbers. They need the other one to actually play ball. And they keep fucking up. <laughs> okay. Until and that's, been, that's been going on for like feels like at least a month that I keep turning going, oh, I'm still alive, cool. Okay. Same orders, let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah, you get to a certain point. So they're the games at the moment that I've, I've finished or I'm pretty much disappointed in. I've got um three three other games to talk about, but maybe you want to talk about your stuff or you want to ask something first. No, I was gonna ask, how did you go did you um conclude the world? virtual, like the, the online diplomacy one? Yeah, I can talk about that now. Because we're both in the um, the Democracy Sausages team. We are. 
And I think as a team, we're not doing that great. I think we're doing, we're middling, you know what I mean? Like we've had one player who lost, got eliminated, like in one of the 1v1 games. I think the other game we've kind of like, mm, barely still in, maybe a oh no, there's a draw of seven. How do you fucking draw a game with seven players? I do not know. <laughs> Everyone's just... Was that a full press or was that a gumbo? I don't know. But um, this is the game I want to spend a bit of time talking about. So it's now been... It's finished. It was drawn. I was part of the draw. It was a four-player draw. Okay. Um, this the, was the scoring for this is equal to everyone sharing the draw. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. I went back to check that to kind of play into my thinking for how I wanted to play things out. Yeah. Um, this was the 2020 World Cup Group A full press one game. Anyway, as England, I finished the game on nine supply centres. Uh huh. France finished on five, Italy finished on five, Italy, sorry, Austria finished on 15. So stop the winner, essentially. Stop the stop the solo. So for a lot of this game, uh, Italy was allied with Austria and uh, and Turkey was allied with Austria. Not surprisingly, of course, Austria, sorry, Turkey got wiped out. A lot of Italy got wiped out by Austria, but he still had his core. Okay. So but towards this point in time, really... Myself as England, France and Italy were forming a block to stop Austria from soloing. Okay? Yep. So, as England, I had the British Isles. I had Belgium, Holland. I had an army in the Ruhr. I had Denmark, Sweden, Norway and St. Petersburg. How did you go... Okay, so you got fleets in the Baltic Sea. No, that's what I'm talking about. So... Germany was eliminated. Yeah. Russia was eliminated. So no one could physically get units into the Baltic and the Gulf of Bithynia unless they kind of came through me. Like, Austria can't do shit. France would have to kind of get permission to move through or stab me for some bizarre reason go all that way. And this is what I was telling you about by text. Yeah. I found it a strangely liberating experience. And it got me really, really cocky, thinking I may be able to break Austria, but, sorry, chip away at Austria sufficiently to make a couple of games, like picking up um, Berlin, maybe picking up Moscow, and then stabbing the shit out of France so that I could kind of get to about the same level of Austria. So around about 13, 14 supply centres. Yeah. Take out France, become a mad scramble. Take out France, take out Italy, and see who came number one. But... Yeah, well, the chances are France would just throw it to Austria. I know what the issue was. I know what the issue was. France was actually in Berlin, okay? And I'd worked out... I was going to actually get France to support me into Prussia... So, look, I was going to have a bit of a, a go straight into Austria. And that was going to be the time I was going to take out, simultaneously, Berlin, Kiel, this is in spring, and move into the English Channel with everything undefended over there. Be able take to take Brest. out Brest. Yeah. Um, 
But once Austria got and took Berlin and got to 15, I thought, I reckon, this is one of those times where you kind of listen to your gut and listen to the way your ally has been working with you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because France and I started off like normal England-France thing. Yeah, yep. we'll be friends, slap, 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 slap. Things got uh, uh, argumentative. Yeah. But then we worked out. You know what I mean? Yep. But because we've been allies for so long, he seemed the type of guy that if I did that big stab on him, yep. that he would throw anything towards Austria and just make life difficult for me just to throw Austria the solo. Well, Austria only needed three to win. Correct. And as part of the end game, I gave my rationale for why I drew, because I was, I was the player holding out on the draw. Okay. Because I was actually waiting until Germany was dead, so he wasn't part of the, the draw. Yep. And um, I did kind of say, look, I was seriously thinking about stabbing you, and this is my plan. Take this, take this, take this. Yeah. And But once Austria got into Berlin, I thought, no, that's not going to happen. Yep. And France said, get yeah, lucky he didn't do that, because I would have thrown everything to him. So you And he would have right. soloed. So I was right. <laughs> so it was interesting, because I talked to you as a teammate, saying, what do you reckon? Do I, do I kind of go hard? And you said, no. Nah. Draw. Spend, just draw. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I think what I said was check the scoring. Yeah. And look, honestly, if it was, yes. me, yeah. if it was based on supply centres, it probably would have been better. Because right. the other dude, the other two got five and I got nine and Austria got 15. Yeah. So, um, look, had a great game. So, Austria was played by Babu Natalie or Natalie. Yep. France was Talby 2 and Italy was Tom Bombadil. Never played any against these players before because Tom obviously... Tom Bombadil, I've heard of him. Have you? He's gone incredibly high diplomacy ranking over at Webb. It's like 4,000. What's on like only about, you know, 100 and something. What about our eliminated players? Um, Bonner together was Germany. Ishviosh was Turkey. And Tanjitin was Russia. So what what teams were you playing? Uh, No idea. How do you find that out? Uh, No idea. How are you going in your games? Um, So I'm in two gunboat games at the moment. Um, I can't talk about them, unfortunately, on the tape. Um, I mean, I can talk about them to you. Off tape. Off tape. Team members. Because we're team members, and, you know, that's fine. Um, All I can really say at this stage, one I'm doing reasonably well in, and the other I'm doing reasonably poor in. Hopefully, you're going to scrape into a draw. I'm not sure, but I can't really say much more than that. Yes, because I kind of lost track of what your games you were in. So one you were, one you talked to me about, you were doing well in. So you're still doing well on that one. That's yes. a gunboat game. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah, this is, this is your ally. Your ally hadn't attacked you like you thought. Yeah, but but here's the thing. This ally is flaky. Oh, you decided to build there. I thought you were going to decide to build here. No, no, that's a retreat. Oh, it's a retreat? Yeah. No, you've got to build an army. Yeah, I will. There. I suppose if he builds does something up here, you can just move over that way anyway. That's right. Yeah. So you're not being confrontational, but you've got the ability to cover your bases just in case. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's well played. Um, but no, the... That old mate here has to disband one. Oh, you've, you've um, done well. You, your stab here was was perfectly timed. 
because you said, hey, what do you reckon, stab now? I went, yeah, stab now. Yeah, yeah, and I did. Um, this is one where I'm channeling my inner cow hammer. Ah, you're doing your dock grabbing. Yeah. <laughs> and you're um, ignoring all stalemate lines because they don't exist. <laughs> shouldn't exist, never. Yeah. Anyway, so that's that one. Um, and there's this one where I'm... Oh, yeah, yeah, down yeah. There. Now, the reason I think I might be on the drawer on this is old mate here is such yep. a powerful player. Yep. And pretty much all of my antagonists are all focusing, are on, all him. focusing on him. Well, also, now that, um, like, this, this um, unit here, this supply centre here, you don't really have to hold because there's nothing going to attack it. You can start using this army here to throw love to someone else just to well, show that actually, hey, we're on one team. I actually have it so that I'm doing that next turn. Ah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good yeah. idea. Because there's because of this. Yes. And of um, the threat to that. Yeah. See, this is the problem about a um, an audio oh. format when talking about an anonymous game. Everybody's <laughs> going, what? you guys Where? make no buttons. Um and oh mate, the, the guy who's sort of threatening the solo um, is, you know, he's attacking his old ally here to pick yeah, up a yeah. few more. So, oh, how many supply centers is he on? That's that's a good whack of about 12, 13? It's only uh, 10. It looks, it looks more. more. It looks more. Yeah, just the arrangement of the uh, units. Units. So and the colouring. At this stage, I'm hoping I'm going to sneak into a draw if it manages to stay mate. How many players there? There's six players still. Oh, yeah, only one's yeah. been eliminated. Just let the other fucking assholes start fighting. 
and they will. True, true. I it's think the only play, it's the only player that can get away with that. I think easily. Yeah, you're right. You can as other players Italy try that, that process, yeah. but it's hard. Maybe yeah. Italy, yeah, yeah. Maybe Italy is the next best contender. But even so, like Italy needs to really commit to a, and hope to a certain attack strategy early on. Yeah. yeah. Um, whereas England can wait a little bit. You're right. There's a there's definitely a belief out there. There's definitely a way of looking at the game where you need to know where your next builds are going to come from. And that approach would be difficult to someone who's, well, that's their framework, that's their philosophy, that's how they approach the game. Yep, yep. They're going to get at least one supply centre or be in a place to get a supply centre or yep, you know, yep. a, a year kind of thing. Yeah. But the other thing I found interesting playing is England and I kind of... I'd fallen into this approach by default because I'd provoked a fight with... I can't remember if I provoked a fight with Russia. And then later I provoked a fight with France. But I ended up making things up, you know what I mean? Yeah. To the extent that I wasn't actually fighting anybody. Yeah. And let this thing happen. And once that happened, then I was like... I was on hardly anything. I was like on... I think was on three or four supply centres. And then rapidly I went five. Rapidly to seven, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's the yeah. Peter McNamara strategy when you're playing as, as Italy. You, you stay a small target and then you kind of work with the other players, and then all of a sudden you go three, five, seven, eight, ten, twelve, you know? <laughs> and, and the other thing I found really worthwhile, which I can't remember who had suggested this, may have been Goffey, may have been Peter, is the whole idea of. You know, obviously, you, you, by default, you're starting a little bit heavy on, on fleets, and you need to have fleets to maintain yeah. um, naval supremacy. But you need to really start ramping up mid, mid to late game armies. Just keep pumping out armies and convoying them across. And that's what I tried to do with that game. Didn't quite get there, but... Yeah. Well, I could have, though, because I had, like, I had armies... State, I had, like, a... Um, army in St. P. I had an army in Denmark that I could convoy across. I had, or I thought it was so used to was Kiel. Armies in Ruhr. Armies. But basically, I was getting more and more armies onto the continent. Yeah. So that you can kind of get away with that. And on that note, when was the last time you won a game? So long. Probably that Divided States game. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Hey, how about we get another drink and then we'll come back. Sounds good. And we're back. Cheers. Cheers. I was um, just showing Amby of you know a game that I'm in. Um, yep. We'll just generally talk about the variant, but it's classic 1897. And so you start with a single unit on the classic map. So the map is the same. map is completely the same. Yep. It's just the rules are a little bit different. Yeah, the rules around your home supply centres right. are different. So you start with one unit. Correct, yeah. So how do you choose where you start from? That's assigned to you. Oh, so how? Well, say in... 
hypothetically, let's say you're in England. Yeah, so you start with a fleet in Edinburgh, so... Right. Oh, so and these things are pre, pre-configured? Yes. So but you, then at the end of the first year... Whatever you land in... Whatever supply centre you, you... Whatever supply centre you take that first year... Yep. ...becomes a home supply centre. So let's use that example. So you start in England... Yep. ...at Edinburgh. You go over to Norway. Yep. Let's make it easy. Yep. So then Norway is your home supply centre. Becomes your second home supply centre. Oh, so you still keep Edinburgh. Yep. Gotcha. Okay, that and explains then, why you were saying before I got a little bit confused. Yep. And then at the end of the second year, the same thing happens again. Right. So everyone has the potential to get four supply centres. And then a line is drawn underneath that, and then Correct. there's no more home supply centres. Yes. You can only build from them. Yes. I've never played this variant before. It's very fun. Oh. Yeah, so, um, we I'll should play together. To <laughs> what I'll do is I'll bring up the big maps. I'll bring up the maps archive. So you can sort of see where people were or where, they, where, started they, from. where they started from and where they ended up to, to be. So, okay. so England started with a fleet in London. Okay. France began with an army in Paris. Germany began with an army in Berlin. Austria, an army in Vienna. Turkey, an army in Constantinople. And Sebastopol is the army for Russia. Army? Okay, yeah. cool. Yep. And so at the end of the... Of fall? Of fall, the first, the first autumn, Russia had an army in Warsaw. Yep. So Warsaw and Sebastopol. Austria didn't quite get how the whole thing worked. Austria fucked up. Austria fucked up and didn't get a supply centre. Oh, so it just started... So it just kept Vienna. Just kept Vienna. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Italy, Italy went and got Naples. Yep. Um, France took Marseille. England took Denmark. Ah, nice move. And Germany took Munich. Did I say Russia? Russia took Warsaw. Yeah. Oh, and Turkey took Constant- uh, Bulgaria. That's surprising. I would have thought Turkey would have gone for gone, gone, gone a little bit further, like Greece or Serbia or, or Romania. Anyway. Like like on the way like the way that Russia went kind of expanded out and, and England expanded out. When you think about it though, Bulgaria would be an awesome supply centre to have as a home supply because you can build on either side of the coast as a fleet. Oh yeah, I hadn't thought of that. What do you think about that? Yeah, okay. Uh, and then at the end of the second build phase, this is the ones where people are sort of stuck with their supply centres for the rest of the game. The rest of the game, yep. So Turkey ends up with Greece, Bulgaria, Constantinople and Smyrna. Okay. Russia ends up with Romania, Sevastopol, Warsaw and Moscow as their home. Southern game, yep. Germany <laughs> Germany ends up with Holland, Kiel, Berlin and Munich. Yep. Austria, because they fucked up, just ends up with Trieste and Vienna. <laughs> dickhead. <laughs> well, um, no, dickhead, I shouldn't say that. I just didn't understand the rules, yes. Italy ends up with Tunis, Naples and Rome. Yep. Um, France ends up with Spain, Marseille, Paris, and Belgium. Mm, good combo. Very interesting. And England's where it really gets interesting. Yeah, I, I love this. Has basically got his, his this. home builds as London, Denmark, Norway, and Sweden. So you talk about earlier that Baltic control. Yeah. Yeah, so he's setting himself up strongly there. Especially, because yeah, now, if he's able to take out Kiel and Berlin... He's got full control over that whole area. 
Well, let's jump to where the game is now. Okay. And okay. you can see that England oh. definitely... <laughs> England is smashing it. Smashing it, yeah. So what what interests me is there's a, there's a French fleet that's just taken Liverpool. An Italian fleet in Li- that's taken Liverpool. Yes! <laughs> but it's not a home supply centre in England, so he doesn't care. Um, but... Yeah, no, it's just... What are you... Oh, sorry! Oh, fuck! <laughs> <laughs> oh, fear everywhere! The technology here. Sorry, folks. Wait a sec. Okay, and we're back. Cheers. Kind of fucked up. With your very small (laughs) schooner of beer now. Sorry, mate. (laughs) After 86 episodes, I think a a drink spillage of that magnitude is overdue. Yeah, yeah. It's like the odds were against us getting as far as we did, really. You know, a podcast in a bar drinking with lots of gesticulations coming from your hands when you're getting excited about what's going on on the board. No wonder I've got fucking beer everywhere over me. When I catch the bus home, I'll be like, you know. Everyone will go to the other end of the bus. It's like, you know, he's obviously a bit of an alcoholic there. (laughs) I just got so excited with what I was talking about. Yes, you did. (laughs) So anyway, so um, 1897. It's a a great variant if you want to get a a beer shower. It's all cool. It's all good. It's all good. You know, none of the technology seems to be totally broken, so it's fine. Um, so we must start wrapping. I think that's probably a good Actually, no, no. I want to talk about a couple of things very, very okay. quickly. Very, very quickly. So it won't take long. My, um, um, my uh, Europa Renovatio team game. Oh, yeah? Are you still in there or are you no, dead? I'm dead. Okay. So um, that's going reasonably well at the moment. Still alive? Yeah, my, my team is down from three to four, four to three. Oh yeah. So that's me. This is one of my teammates. Oh, that's good. And this is my other teammate. Who's doing okay? Yeah. So potentially, sorry, listeners, this is one of those confusing things. Oh, bit of two unlimited. So hopefully later on. Between my teammate here and my teammate there, we can go like this big pincer move. Everyone else is trying to do the same, probably. Huh? Everyone else will be doing the same. Of course they are. Yeah. But I'm currently trying to work out some of my other broader strategies, which we'll talk about off tape, maybe. Yeah, yeah, okay. But I'm doing okay. Yeah, you're doing all right. Yeah, so... um, not at the very top of the leaderboard, I think, but um, top of the leaderboard at the moment is on 17. And I'm on that much. That's not bad. That's not bad. Yeah. And two builds coming up. Better than me, I'm on zero. 
Yeah, well, so you go down the bottom down here like these uh, fuckers who were eliminated. Oh, actually, this isn't, um... Oh, this isn't anonymous. It's just your team is anonymous. Yeah. So you're Austria. I'm Austria. Yeah. Anyway. I am ready for this. Um, my <laughs> other game is I started a um, Made Against Mate game on Australia Day. Oh, nice. Yep. So I'm playing as, as, as Indonesia. <laughs> Naturally. Are you taking over Western Australia? Yeah, Western Australia's dead now, I think, isn't he? Or is he just about to be dead? Oh, no, he has, he has like only one supply centre in Cooper Pedy in the middle of the outback. Okay. This is one that you made. Yep. Yep. So doing yeah, all okay. right, doing all right. I always um, felt Tasmania was a little bit underpowered in that area. Yeah, I know when I kind of created I deliberately gave, because Tasmania starts with only two spy centres, logically, yeah. I had to kind of create two quick, easy wins for it. One, one, one gimme, like Tunis, yep. which is down in Antarctica, and another one which is in Antarctica but has the potential if, um, depending on what happens with New Zealand. But then also I think we turned, because this, this variant has supply centres actually that are in certain ocean locations as well because of their resource value. Right. So Bass Strait because of all the oil and gas down there, likewise Great Barrier Reef and I think also the Northwest Shelf off WA. Represented by flags. Yes, yeah. so you understand who the fuck owns it. Um, uh, in this game though, which is quite interesting, is uh, Macca is playing as Victoria. She's doing pretty good. Oh yeah? I is everyone playing in Australia? No, I think it's just me and Matt are the only Australians in it. Is it? So it's not It's not anonymous, you can see who's who? Yeah, it's not anonymous. But it's unrated, I think. So Slow's playing Queensland. Right. Um, Sex playing New Zealand. Macca, Victoria. Lord Saviour, South Australia. Sci-Fi, Tasmania. Mirror. He was in, he was in that other um, Winning to Losers game, I think, wasn't he? Or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that came up early in the podcast. Um, Mirai Nikki-san, Western Australia. He's on his way out. Yep. And, um, hey, there's this other fella that came up in that other game. Ishful. Ish- oh, yeah, Ish- you too. Ish- Here we go. He's uh, from your um, World Cup. There we go. So, anyway, that's all my games. Oh, bravo. So, I reckon we'll um, finish up the episode now. Move on to the Patreon. I'll hopefully start drawing off a little bit over Patreon. (laughs) And remember, if you want to play part of that virtual game uh, against me and Kana, sign up for Patreon. We'll work it out. Yeah. Love to have you on board. All right, guys. See you. See you. Cheers.